The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Genesis chapter 1, remain standing if you're able. Verse 14 through 19, we'll then go to Genesis chapter 2 as we continue in a series called In the Beginning, Foundational Principles of the First 11 Chapters of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 is the third message in the series entitled, God, the Author of Time. God, the Author of Time. Genesis 1, find verse 14. Are you ready? If you're all ready, say, woo! All right, very good. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and seasons. Interesting. Signs. Let them be for signs and seasons. And for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night, and He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. Verse 18, to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Go to the second chapter of the book of Genesis. Chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended His work, which He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all of His work, which He had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it He rested from all His work, which God had created and made. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all that you've done in the first service, what you've done even now, healing people, touching people, releasing encouragement and strengthening. Thank you for the the music and the song and the giving and new formal members, God, and all that you're doing in our midst, the small groups and people getting discipled and raised up, the lost being saved, the blind eyes open, deaf ears being unstopped. Thank you that the kingdom of God is upon us, is among us. Lord, thank you because you are here and where the king is, so is your kingdom. Now, Lord, I pray, release your word. Unsheathe, sharper than any two-edged sword, the word of God. Release your word today under an unction, under an anointing that would break the back of every lie, that would release your kingdom in an ever-increasing way, and may the results of this morning be far-reaching even to an eternity. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. The series that we're in the midst of has a purpose. Has a purpose. And the purpose is basically to give guidelines in life. To teach you truths. That by these truths that you're taught would be the underpinnings of a tremendous foundation. Tremendous house. A spiritual house that God will build and use you in to expand His kingdom in the earth. We've heard a number of, of messages thus far. This is the third one. The first message we preached on living our lives in light of the fact that God is the creator. He's not the former creator. He's still the creator. We don't believe in evolution. 
There's no fossil record to make the jump from apes to human beings. It just doesn't, there's, it's just theories. Let me, let me correct uh, a, a, something I said a number of weeks ago. I talked about Darwin and how Darwin became a believer and renounced his theory. It's not exactly true per se, but there is evidence of a Methodist woman visiting him and something that took place, but it, there, there were some that say, well, he couldn't renounce it publicly at that time because it was just too much pressure and people just ran with it. I don't know. God knows. But I wanted to correct and say it's possibly he didn't renounce it and it's possibly that he didn't get saved. Heaven knows. But there are all kinds of information out of the information age traveling through the World Wide Web. And the truth is that we don't believe that truth is objective. We believe in absolute truth as believers. Now, even as I say that, some people think, oh, no, we don't. Oh, yes, we do. If you believe the Word of God, that's exactly what the Word of God teaches. The Word of God teaches that there is absolute truth. There is right and there is wrong. It's not an ambiguous blend of maybe and sort of and so on and so forth. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. And so we believe as believers, biblical, biblical believers, I'm not talking about a believer that's half a believer and half an unbeliever. I'm talking about somebody who really stands on the Word of God. We believe in absolute truth. Now, the second message in the series was, who am I? And if you don't know who you are, then you've experienced identity theft. You've got to know who you are. You're sacred, and that's a secret to many. And it is a sacred secret, but it's true. You're made in God's image, God's likeness, created like Him. You think in terms of morality. You think in terms of justice. You think in terms of beauty. You think in terms of what's right or wrong. And we don't even believe those idiotic statements said, as long as you believe, that's not true. And the, even those people that say it don't believe that. And we've given illustrations from mere Christianity and C.S. Lewis, so on and so forth, that if somebody says, well, as long as you believe. You ever heard that when you're witnessing to somebody, telling them about Jesus? Well, that works for you. That doesn't work for me. I've got my belief. You can have yours. That's, they don't even believe that because if you believe to be okay to pour boiling hot soup in their lap, they would tell you, no, thank you. Based on that logic, we can say that as long as I believe what I believe, you think that's okay. No, that's not okay. And I think that the Lord doesn't think it's okay either. And so we talked about who are we. Now we move to God is the author of time. Now that is a fantastic thought. Think about time. I'm wearing a watch. My mama gave it to me. Thanks, mom. How many of you have a watch on right now? Come on, let me, let me see. Where's your watch at? Okay, what time is it? Come on, what, what, what time is it? It's uh, seven minutes after 12. Well, that's fascinating because the ancients would never ask that question. They would never ask you what time it is and you'd expect to hear seven minutes after 12 because they didn't even have a way of judging time that way. In fact, the pendulum clock didn't even come out into the 1600s. No, 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 we all have, come on. Man, I got a watch on one side and a Fitbit on the other. Jesus, help me out. You see how I'm doing. 5,005, not very good. Jesus, help me. But the day's not over. It's counting all of my steps. We not only count time, we count steps, we count calories. We do all kinds of stuff. They didn't have that. You know, the sundial. In Isaiah chapter 38 and verse 8, it talks about the sundial. That is the earliest reference to keeping time with the sundial. Some say that it came from Egypt. But prior to that, prior to that time, they didn't have clocks. 
They didn't even, time was more like days. They knew about days. It's right here in the word. God invented days. God invented the night. And God invented all of that. He spoke it. He created it, I should say. Bara is the word. Created it. Wow. That's amazing. But mankind came up with the, the finer instruments on how to accurately tell time in finer minutiae, detail. So why do you have a clock? Why, 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 why are we paying attention to what time it is? For today, I'm going to preach for a number of hours because it's the Super Bowl. Go Broncos. And, and just to see who's going to worship the pigskin. Praise God. No, I'm, I'm totally kidding. In fact, it's going to be a little bit shorter because we've got to get going. The ancients saw time more as fluid. God is the author of time. Say that with me. God is the author of time. And that is an amazing thought. God's the author of time. He created the day and night, and he put it in a sequence of a week, seven days. From God's perspective, time is seen in two ways, kairos and chronos. And really that's more of a, it's more of a Greek perspective Kairos and Kronos. Kronos is time in succession. So it's, it, it's time like right now. It's 10 minutes after 12 now. And a week from now, we'll be in the middle of our prophetic conference, and it'll be 10 after 12 again. You know, you, 48 hours from now, it'll be whatever day and whatever time. It's time in succession. Kairos, from a Greek understanding, is very different. Kairos is specific moments in time. For instance, when I was about nine years old, and I, maybe eight, and I asked my mother and father, I asked them for a, for a boat. I wanted this boat, you know, with sails, and it had this little setting, and you could put it, and it would, and it would sail, and you could watch it sail on the water. And I wanted this boat, and I got it. I got it for Christmas. Wow. And I remember seeing that and unwrapping it. And I remember my brother taking a pen, an indelible marker and putting lightning bolts on the side, which I didn't like. And I remember that. I remember the fact that when I remember first putting it in the water, it wasn't quite made right. It had too narrow a beam, so it would capsize. And I remember bringing it to my grandfather, who was a boat builder, amongst other things, and he said, oh, the beam's too narrow. Here's what we need to do. And he checked the dimensions of it, and he said, we need to widen it. Kairos moments. The moment when you turned 16. The moment, the moment when you got your driver's license and you took your selfie. Those are moments that they, they come once. The day you got married. Glory to God. Those are Kairos moments. Moments where time and destiny cross and they never come again. Kairos moments. A Kairos moment when God was leading his people into the promised land and the two, two spies could agree that God was big enough to take out the giants, but ten couldn't. And the very words that he heard them say, he brought about and they wandered around for 40 years and he missed the Kairos moment. Kairos moments come and they go. From a Hebrew understanding, they don't really see it like that, that time is, is linear, there's a beginning, there's an end, but God can break in at any moment, at any moment, any moment, right now.
that God could break in with power. God is the author of time. Ecclesiastes, that scripture that brought about was the inspiration for that 60s song. To everything turn. How many remember that? Every season, right? All right, all of you that are over 50. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 9. Mark 1, verse 15, Jesus says this. And so, New Testament now, Jesus understood time. The time is fulfilled, he says in Mark 1 and 15. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, believe the gospel. In Galatians chapter 4, the apostle Paul writing to the church of Galatia says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. When the fullness of time had come. So he's talking specifically about a moment in time that was full, was perfect, was complete. Boom, God sent his son. And he didn't send it before. And, he, and, and it's not about after. It's that one particular Kairos moment where God sent his son to die on a cross for you and for me. To walk the earth for 33 and a half years. God is the author of time. Now, getting to under, an understanding of time, if God created time, is the author of time, understand that he put you in it. Ooh, yeah, you're in time, but God's outside of time. God's, in, God's on his time, which is eternity. And I don't know that it doesn't necessarily mean it's not time, it's just God time. That's eternity. Has anybody ever seen the... the uh, um, you know, the line, The Witch in the Wardrobe, or any of those, those movies, or read the books of C.S. Lewis. You remember Lucy? You know, they're playing the little game, and she goes into the wardrobe and disappears for days, or whatever it is, or many hours, and she comes back, and they're like, hey, we couldn't find you. And she's like, oh, I went to this place. They're like, what are you talking about? You're only gone for a few seconds. Yeah, God has, God has time, but it's called eternity. It's not like what you and I think time is. You're placed in time. Angels, outside of time. The decision that you make. Listen, this is why the Bible says now is the time of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. The decision that you make in time, when time is over for you, you then pass into eternity, and the decision that you've made in time sticks. Because decisions made in eternity are forever. That's why Satan can't repent and get redeemed. Because he made it, he made his choice, and he doesn't get a chance again. It's over. And he took a third of innumerable. How many is that? It's a lot. But he only has one third. God has two thirds of innumerable angels. Today is the day. Look, if God is the author of time, which he clearly is from this scripture, he created day, he created night, he created the light for signs in the firmament, signs, signs in the heavens and in the earth below. He created for light. Lesser, lesser light is the moon, greater lights, the sun, stars, so on and so forth. God created time as the author of it. And you know what that means for you and me? That means a number of things. One, it means that you uh, and me, we are responsible for its usage. I know I hate that. Yeah, time, time, you're responsible for it. You're responsible for the time that you have. Now, some of you are putting things off for tomorrow that you're supposed to do today, but you might not get tomorrow. You just have right now. And now is gone. And here comes another moment right now. There's time. 
responsible for its usage. And that's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, Now is the time of God's favor. Today is the day of salvation. And everyone sitting under the sound of my voice this afternoon, every single person here, you've got to give your life to Jesus while you still have time. Because there will come a day when you don't have any more. I think those that are getting older, I think they understand this because they drive slower because they want to take it all in. You see, when you're younger, you're in a rush. But as you get older, you realize I was just 50 and I blinked and now I'm 70. And so now you're 70 and you just slow down a little bit because you want to see the flowers and you... Well, in the spring. The young people just running everywhere with their hair on fire. Not seeing the beauty of creation or enjoying the presence of their parents, maybe, because they just can't wait to get on to the next thing. You know, it's, it's, it's a sad thing, but I'm, as I'm getting a little bit older, I'm beginning to understand that when I was a kid, I couldn't wait to grow up to become a teenager. One day when I'm 13. Then I'm 13, and I can't wait to become 18. And soon, you know, when I'm 18, I just couldn't, you know, just couldn't, I can't wait to get out of the house. You're just get out of the house, go to school. You get out of the house, go to school, and then there are flashing moments where you wish that you had your mother's chicken pot pie. You know, you just long for a little bit of mom and dad, but, you know, you're in school. But then you're in school, and you're like, I can't wait to finish school. I can't wait to finish school so I can get married. And some of you get married, you can't wait till that's over. You're like, want to have kids, want to have kids, want to have kids, you want to have kids. You're like, oh, when are they going to grow up, for God's sake? And they grow up, and then you're like, when are they coming home? Won't they visit me anymore? And you pray for grandkids, and that's a great dividend. I mean, you get grandkids, and you get to give them back to change their shorts and everything else. Praise God. I'm, I won't be at that point for quite a period of time. In fact, I know both about my, my daughter and my son. I know about how God's going to select their spouse. You see, I've prayed before they ever in their mother's womb. I already know. I, I, and when we're in their mother's womb, I'm prophesied over them. When I prophesy over them, my wife and I prophesying over those babies when they were just little itty-bitty things. And as they grow, we'd prophesy and contend. Lord, thank you for their future mate and friends. They'd never be unequally yoked with unbelievers. They will choose godly relationships all their life to encourage them to be steadfast in the Lord. Does that sound like I memorized that? You're absolutely right. I did. And it's much longer. And we would pray that over and over and over and over and over. So I know for Hannah, her husband's going to be like this. Hannah, are you here? Okay. It's going to be a knock on the door. I'm open the door. I'm going to give a message in tongues. And he's going to have the same interpretation that I have, and then I'll know. <laughs> the same is true for Danny. There she'll be. I'll give a message in tongues. She'll have the same interpretation that I have, and then we'll know. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. I better get back to my notes or get a glass of juice or something. Jesus, help me. Come on, somebody say God's the author of time. And you have to be a good steward in the midst of the time that you've been given. You've got to choose Christ now. You have to choose Him now. 
He said, well, I'm not ready to serve God. Well, who says you're going to be, I'm going to serve God later. I'm going to sow my wild oats, and then later I'm going to serve God. Do you know you have no promise that you won't feel the same way now that you do about serving God that you do later when you're 50, 60, 70 years old? You're not promised that you're actually going to live. You don't know that the sun's not coming up tomorrow. Sun will come out tomorrow. Not necessarily. And we hope. Some of you are like, tomorrow. No, you're not promised that the sun is going to come out. You know what you have? Right now. You have now. You don't, you don't have promise tomorrow. I mean, we hope that we have tomorrow. The odds are pretty good that the sun's going to rise tomorrow. But you don't know. Today is the day. Say it. So you got to ask for forgiveness, and you got to get right with God. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15. Put it up on the screen, please. See to it then that you walk circumspectly, not as an idiot. Oh, sorry. Not as fools. Same thing. Not as fools, but wise. Everybody say, don't be a fool. Not as fools, but wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. You can live in such a way that it redeems time. It purchases back time. It's like it, well, you can live in such a way before the Lord that it, it causes time to do something called redemption. You can redeem time. Has, has anybody ever lost days? How many of you, don't raise your hand necessarily if you don't want to, but I'm telling you, I lost a bunch of time. I did things in my earlier years as a young man that I wish I never did. But I'm so thankful that I've lived in such a way now for about 20 years that I've been redeeming time. God's been doing something. He's been purchasing back and, and causing what would normally take five years, take one. He knows how to redeem time. And if you've blown it and you've lost it and you've done things that you wish you didn't, you can just stand on Joel 2.25 that it'll take all the years that the locusts have taken and it'll restore them. But there's a certain way you can't live like a fool and have that happen. You need to live wise. There's the wisdom of the earth that's devilish, says James. But there's wisdom that comes from above. Righteousness and truth comes from God. Therefore, do not be unwise, verse 17 of Ephesians 5. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the Lord's will is. Well, that's interesting right there. Understand what the Lord's will is. So you're a steward over the time that you've given, and we need to actually do God's will in it. I'll get back to that in a moment. Don't be drunk with wine. Wow. Don't smoke pot. Praise the Lord. Don't get intoxicated, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, if people learn to be filled with the Spirit, you would never need to smoke anything. I'm going to go encourage myself. We'll be right back. Amen, Pastor. Preach. Preach. Preach it. Woo! Some people never been filled with the Spirit. They've relegated the baptism of the Spirit to some theological argument, and they never really experienced the fire. Never really experienced the, the, the fire of the Holy Spirit burning on the inside of them. So they go burn something else. By the way, on Monday, in Homer, there's a hearing at the city council in Homer. For all of you online, and those of you here, if you have time and you want to go to the city council meeting to push cannabis, which is some romantic name for dope. I know it's a scientific name, whatever. 
You want to push it out of the city limits, then you go and be a part of that. I got called the other day, and uh, they heard about the victory that we had, and we can only give, we can only give credit to God. All we did is like little children sort of show up because we're going to stand for what's right. I mean, how did I know I was walking into a straight fist fight practically? I didn't know. I'm enjoying it. Oh, I'm made for it. Anybody else made for it? Come on, bro. What is that? Dance like a butterfly, sting like a bee or something like that? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the body of Christ standing and agreeing with what's right. Evil prospers when good men do nothing. Let me say this. There is, I mean, I I don't, you know, how did I get on camera? Jesus, how did I do this? How did I stumble on this thing? It's an issue. We can't, I, cannot, I cannot agree with what God says is wrong. Same-sex marriage is wrong. I don't care how you want to vote. You can't vote for the gravity to end. It's wrong, right? So we got to, murdering babies, abortion, it's wrong. We're going to stand there. We're going to stand for the Word of God and let the chips fall. Take the 501c3 and smoke that if you want to, too. And we're going to stand up and do the right thing. Come on, somebody say Amen. The issue with the cannabis is the intoxication issue, right? That's the issue. That's the issue. It's not, you know, if you're taking um, uh, some kind of pill to ease your pain, I don't think that's wrong. I think God's a merciful God. Thank God for modern medicine. Thank God. But if you get addicted and then you're getting high for getting high sake, then that's wrong. And if you could cut your dose in half and tolerate it a little bit better, then you should do that too. And then you come to, all, come to get healing. You get, get some prayer and get some healing. Come on, PTSD is a horrible thing. Isn't that right, John? God set you free from it, didn't he? It's a horrible thing. But Jesus can heal the memories, and Jesus can take away the sting of PTSD and help emotional issues. We, you know, don't have to tolerate what Jesus set you free from. Anyway, in Homer, they're voting. We pray even now, God, that you would cause Homer to be uh, inundated with your righteousness and that you would um, see righteousness in our state. In Jesus' name. The borough, is, uh, the borough issue is coming before the whole borough. My gloves are laced, I'm just telling you. We're going after it. I'm going to push it out of Matsu. Amen. Somebody say amen. All right. Where are we? Everybody say time. God's the author of time. Colossians chapter 4. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside redeeming the time. All right, we must enter into God's rest. Now, in Genesis chapter 2, God rested on the seventh day, and it becomes a basis for the command of Exodus that's found in Exodus 20 about the Sabbath rest. Oh, I, I, I didn't finish something, but back to the dope thing. I'll tell you, as I talked to this leader, this business leader in Homer, he called me, we, we talked. He said, you know, why is it, Pastor, that, that churches don't want to get involved? They tell me they don't want to get involved. They don't want to get political. I have no idea why that is. But it should not be that way. Amen. You've got to get out and vote. If you're not registered to vote, then vote. Because if you don't vote in this next election, I'm just telling you, it's sin. You live in America, you better vote. And you better get the mind of the Lord, not, not red and yellow, black and white, none of that. You vote the issues. Come on, somebody say Ben. All right. My father said, son, are you getting politically active? I said, yeah, absolutely. All right. 
The Hebrew word here for the Sabbath is Shabbat, which actually means cessation. This is interesting. Bump your neighbor and say he's done talking about pot. Listen up. The actual word is Shabbat, uh, and it means cessation. So one in seven days, they would cease from their toil. So the seventh day, so basically in, in Hebrew understanding, Shabbat, cessation from work, Shabbat means cessation, would be sun, Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, and that's called Shabbat. And many people even here practice that on Saturday. You say, is that wrong? No, it isn't. However, there's a deeper meaning here, and we'll want to talk about that. There's some people that think you should have your Sabbath rest or your Shabbat or your cessation from work on Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. And then you can see the church, what the church did is Jesus was crucified on the third day, which is Sunday, he rose again from the grave. So they changed their Shabbat or their Sabbath to Sunday, that they would worship the Lord on Sunday. And it's a very significant thing that they did that. Are you saying we need to worship the Lord on Sunday? It's a tradition, and the answer is no, I'm not. I don't think so. I don't think you have to worship him on Sunday. I don't think you have to worship him on Saturday. I think you have to worship him every day. And you know as well as I do, you cannot go to work. I, I don't know about you, but I've lied in my bed myself and been totally racked with anxiety and torment. How many of you know you're not working, but you're, you're not having any rest? How many of you know lying in a bed doesn't mean you have rest? Wow. The Sabbath was supposed to reflect the testimony of God as the creator and our statement of dependence on him. That's what it's supposed to reflect. That he is the creator and we're totally dependent upon him. It was a declaration that he was provider. That you don't have to work seven days because he's going to take care of you. And you saw in, in Exodus how God would give them a whole other day of manna. So they didn't have to go out and collect it that day. And every other, if you did, it, tried to, you tried to collect too much or more than what you needed on the day, then after that, it would rot. Except on the Sabbath. And it's a statement that God is provider. Wow. Come on, someone say God's provider. It was a picture of joyous covenant relationship with God who delivered us. Deuteronomy, look at this with me, please. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, in other words, as a result of that, therefore the Lord our God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Wow. It's a statement that God wanted to restore and renew them. And God wants to restore and renew us. Now turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11 and verse 28. You see, the real issue is finding rest in God. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, lowly of heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. True rest comes from our souls, comes to our souls when you get right with God, when you get right with Jesus, when you serve Him, when you walk with Him, when you talk with Him. That's when true rest comes. That's why it's, a, it's significant that the church moved it from Saturday to Sunday. It's significant because it's saying Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath rest. That's what they're saying. Now, 
I do think also that you need to take one day in seven and not do the work that you usually do. I think that there's a rest that comes. But you can take one day in seven and go snow machining, except for this year. You can't do it this year. Go snow machining or hiking and, and, you know, all this entertainment stuff. Really, the Sabbath should be a time when you're getting refreshed, you're reading the Word. And God knows I've violated it plenty. And so have you. But true rest only comes from Jesus. You know, it's been proven that your heart rate will slow down. Did you know that? One day a week, it, it, it'll, I'm convinced mine slows down on Monday. Monday is the day of my Sabbath rest. There are times when I've put that aside and moved it to Thursday. I try to take one day a week, but there are times, there are times when we've just got our hand to the plow, the birthday of the king, and different outreaches, we go for it. I don't so much see it as hierarchical, you know, like God and family and then church. And there are times when you really got to push. Monday, I didn't feel like going, I didn't feel like going to any city council meeting, believe me. I had enough meetings that week. Ministered to hundreds of people. Hallelujah. It was awesome. Power of God. I just want to crawl into my castle and rejoice at home with my kids and my dogs and shoot my gun off the porch. That's what I want to do on my... I didn't want to go to some city council meeting, but there's a higher law at work. Got to get out and do something. Hey, well, that's work. Can't do that. Can't go to the council meeting. That Monday's your Sabbath day. Bless God. Well, thank God we went. Hebrews 4 and verse 3, for we who have believed enter into that rest. Hebrews 4 and verse 9 says, therefore there remains a rest for the people of God. Come on, there's rest for you. For those who've entered his rest, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Therefore let us be diligent. It's so funny to me. Let's work hard to enter into his rest. Notice what it's saying. Let's be diligent to enter into that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Wow. All right. Let me, let me wrap this message up so we can all eat and go to the Super Bowl. Give your time to Jesus. First thing is give your time to Jesus. If, he, if God's the author of all time, which he is, how many of you think that we should probably give our lives to him? Let, let your time surround, let your revolve around him. Hebrews 13, 9 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Psalm 30, 31, verse 15. It's in there somewhere, Psalm 31. Verse 15, my times are in your hand. So let, let your time surround Jesus. The second thing is know God's will. We talk, we read in Ephesians 5. If we're to do the will of God, you've got to know what the will of God is. You know, how do I know what God's will is? Right here. It's in the Word. You know His will, it's revealed right here. Can't add to it, don't take away from it. Otherwise, you get the diseases and the plagues of this book. It's very clear what His will is. And that's how we know about the different things we're talking about because it says it. It's not something we just came up with, some little religious idea. And there are people that come up with their own little religious ideas of the way that you should do things or whatever, but you don't listen, listen to that nonsense. How many of you know you don't have to go to a priest so you can get forgiveness? I mean, you have a high priest, his name is Jesus. You can come to Him. How many, how many of you know you don't have to wait to become a saint? Can I pick on my, some of my roots on one side of my family? Catholic. You don't have to wait. I am a saint already. I'll have to die and wait 100 years to be voted in. How many of you glad there's no purgatory? It's not in there. It's not in there. It's not in there. There's no such thing as purgatory. Some of you are like, there isn't? Yeah, there isn't. That's something man made up to raise money. 
Praise the Lord. You're supposed to work. That doesn't mean if you're retired or disabled. If you're not retired or disabled, then get to work. And it doesn't mean you're trying to find a job, but you have to work. It's a biblical thing. Don't work, don't eat. Don't be a, don't, don't be a holy hobo. Don't be a, don't be a loafer. Don't be a slacker. Don't sit there and let everybody take care of you. Grow up. Get a job. Somebody say amen. Come on, smile at me. Somebody say amen. He said, I don't like that. I know, but Paul, the Apostle Paul said, if you don't work, then you don't eat. And the Apostle Paul also said, don't even spend time with somebody who doesn't work. Listen, if you're irritated right now, is you probably have a slacker spirit. You need that thing broken off of you. There's no, the war, welfare is not for you to be on third generation. Get healed. Get set free. And stop stealing. I got an amen for Pastor Alex. I saw that on the front row. Amen. Secondly, we're to spend time worshiping God and praying. Or spend time worshiping God and praying. Thirdly, spend time with your family. Spend time with your family. Kids spell love, T-I-M-E. That's how they spell it. And if you don't spell, if you don't spend time with your kids, it, it means that you don't love them enough to do that. Listen, I've counseled with hundreds of people sitting across my desk, weeping and crying about how the father said, I was going to play ball with you, but he never went and played ball. Instead, he watched the Super Bowl. I think you can have good fellowship watching the Super Bowl. I'm making a point. In other words, the dad would do everything but do that. Or the, or the mom. If you don't spend time with your spouse and you're sadly mistaken, you won't have a very healthy marriage. If you don't spend time with your kids. I used to think a good hobby was going to church. No, I, you know, some pastor's kids, they, they don't serve God. I thank God that mine, mine do. They love the Lord. But you know, it's a very fine line. That if all you do is, you see, it's not a job for us, it's a calling. But you can't just have a hobby. All of, all of my ministers, pastors... You, you got to have fun with your kids outside of church. You got to have you had fun with your kids outside of work. If you make your whole life about making money, I, then you will be weeping with your dollars as your kids don't come home for vacation, don't want to be around you. When you make an idol out, out of mammon, come on, you, you if Jesus. Our lives need to revolve around Him. God's the author of time. We need to work. We need to pray. We need to worship. We need to model that at home and coming faithfully to the assembly, the gathering of God's people. But you need to have time with your family. But you can make family an idol too. I've also seen that. I've seen people spend untold thousands of dollars on hockey equipment and refuse to go to church. Play hockey. But model what it is to go to church too. Why? Because if all you do is give up on church when hockey season comes, then what you're saying is that it's okay just to play hockey and not go to church. That's why I'm totally against all sports being played on Sunday. I don't mean the Super Bowl. I just mean like, you know. Hey, man, I'm going to go watch the game. I can't wait. Broncos are going to trounce them in Jesus' name, I pray. Lord, you know it's in your hands, oh God. But some people get so excited of a pigskin going through a set of uprights and can't yell or shout or say anything for Jesus. That's weird. You want to talk about weird? I think that's weird. 
I need to close. Be sensitive to Kairos moments in God. Everybody say, be sensitive to Kairos moments. You see, there's moments that come. There's moments that come and they'll never come again. Did you get something? Would you stand up on our feet, on your feet, please? Come on, ask God to help you to make the most of your time, redeeming the time. I want to share this story very quickly. I was preparing to go into ministry. I knew that God had called me to be a pastor. I knew that one day I would be pastoring. I had just gotten married. We took our, we took our finances that we got for our, uh, our wedding, you know, and uh, we bought all of my classes to go to school. And uh, so I got all my classes, 22 classes, and I was going to do home, you know, distance, long-distance education. So I got all my classes, and I made a commitment that in my first year of being married, I would do my classes and get my certification and get my license and be, be ordained, you know, do that the whole thing. And so the first year came. I remember taking out the first class and starting to study, and it was like I couldn't do it. I couldn't even read the book. I was so freaked out at the overwhelming amount of college classes I had sitting in my, in my room, and I was like, man. And so I just got busy doing ministry, and people were getting saved, and I became a small group leader. A whole year goes by, and I remember I'm in a, 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 you know, a year watch night service. And the guy says, you know, some of you made a promise that you're going to do something last year. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, Jesus. So I repent, and I make another commitment. I'm going to do it this year. Well, Six months of that year goes by, and I remember I am convicted. I hear overhear a conversation, and I'm convicted. Oh my gosh, I'm failing again. I already blew off the first year. Now it's the second year. I made a commitment. I made a vow. I'm going to do it this year. Six months goes by, and I haven't done anything. And I realize I've got a bondage. I've got a stronghold, man. I can't even sit down to do this. I was so upset. So I come to the front. It was the service was ending, just like this one's about to. And I came to the front. I said, Dr. Morocco, this and this is a story. Here's what happened. I need prayer. He said, oh, Daniel, you can do those in a week. They're easy. I said, right. You could do them in a week. I couldn't do them in a week. They're not easy. He said, no, yeah, you can. I'm going to pray for you. Lift your hands. I lift my hands, and he takes his two really thick, thickly padded baseball mitt-type hands, puts them around my head, and prays this anointed prayer, shifting to first and the second Jesus named the third, brought me to fourth, and then put it in fifth. By the time he hit fifth gear, the power of God hit me, and I hit the, I, I was overwhelmed by the spirit, could not stand. I'm on the ground. While I'm on the ground, God says this to me. I have this picture. Standing in my kitchen, I put on a, a CD, and I worship God, and he says, worship me till my glory comes. When my glory comes, I'll tell you what class to do. Pick the class, sit down, start it, and I'll help you do all of them. So I wake, I come off the floor, and I'm like, that's an amazing thought. I mean, I never would have thought of that. Maybe that's God. So, you know, I, I go home, and uh, the, the following day comes. I've got a construction worker. i got to get up at 6. I get up, you know, I got up 6, 5.30. Oh, I might even go on a morning prayer. I don't know. But, but I went off to, I had to be there at 7. I remember that. 7, I work all the way to 3.30 in the afternoon. I get, I get off at work, and I go straight home. And the plan is, worship Him till His glory would fall. And do the whole thing. Get home. Things happen. Eat dinner. 5.30, 6 o'clock. I'm like, okay, this is the day. I mean, I, I got to try. And Pastor Karen, she's like, Not, we weren't pastors back then. She says, we'll go for it, you know. So I put all my 22 classes out in front of me. And I put on a CD, this anointed music I had. And I start worshiping. And then not after five minutes, and it wasn't after 10, and it wasn't after 15, but about 20 to 30 minutes, something like that, the fire of the Holy Spirit falls on me. 
and I'm in this weeping in God's presence in my kitchen and all of a sudden I have this thought this is that this is that moment and so I look at my classes and it's like every one of them just sort of lights up and 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 just bing I see the first class it's the life of Christ I was thankful because I had actually done a couple chapters in that one it's the only one I started to work on I pulled it off began to read went all the way to the midterm aced the midterm all in, one, all in one night. I looked at the clock. It was three in the morning. I was so excited that I was able to actually do that. I knew it was a miracle. I, never, I, was, I wasn't a straight-A student. I did that for three months and finished my first 11 classes. I then got tricked into it. It's a longer story, but I'll tell you that I had to do that again for the, another, the next three months. Within six months, I did 22 classes and finished all of my classes. Now listen, I was diagnosed as dyslexic. Some of you wonder why I can't read genealogies. It's a miracle. I can read it all. So be like, whoa, he's having a hard time reading. No kidding. 22 classes. How does that happen? And I got nearly straight A's except biblical preaching. I got a D. <laughs> Jesus, help me. You know what God did? He redeemed the time. And some of you have lost stuff. You don't know how you're going to move forward. God's the author of time. So he can just snatch you out and set it up. He can draw out some favor. He can move things around for you. Again, Joel 2.25. Can you put it up? And we'll close. It's a life scripture for me. Because I forfeited and lost so much. So many years ago. And he gave me Joel 2.25 which is going to be on the screen any second now. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. The crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust. My great army which is sent among you. Go to verse 26. And you'll eat plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God. Oh, I can't even finish it. So much wasted time. And the Lord said, I'll restore all the years. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. Father, we thank and praise you. Let's go ahead and receive communion. Ushers, quickly come. My time is gone. Time. Begin to examine your heart as they're quickly coming. Hurry up. Take your time. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pat. Appreciate you guys. Come on, somebody say, redeem the time. You might have wasted a bunch of time. You know what that looks like? It it looks like this. That would normally take one year when God's favor and blessing is on you. That what happens in one year would be like 10 for a normal person. But you get 10 years of favor, five years of favor. Come on, he'll, he'll make up for it with supernatural joy. He'll make up with a supernatural increase. He'll make up with it. He'll make it, make it up to you what would take maybe, do, do you get the picture? Three years, he'll do it for you in six months. It's impossible to do 22 classes in six months. I can't remember one thing I studied. No, I'm, I'm kidding. It's impossible though in the natural. Come on, some of you have been through some schooling. That's a lot of credit. He could do it for you. He did it for me. He did it for the likes of this simple man. He could do it for you. You guys can read most of it. Come on, 
Somebody say hallelujah. Say, Lord, redeem the time. Help me to make the most of the time that you've given me. Then when my time is over and I enter into eternity, I will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's my goal. Make that your goal. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he blessed it. And he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. In likewise manner, he took the cup. And he says, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood, which is shed for you. And as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So Lord, before you, even as people are still being served, we begin to examine our hearts. Come on, examine your life. Come on, repent for where you've fallen short, where you, where you were got really angry where you lost your cool repent repent for maybe the prayerlessness when God led you to pray but you didn't or you got sidetracked as happens to us ask him to forgive you as as Jesus said the lust of the eyes the pride of life ask him to forgive you for your pride for your arrogance or insolence maybe ask him to forgive you for being selfish Lord forgive us wash us cleanse us right now we declare that it's upon the cross that you took our sin. You took our sickness. Lord, even now, before we eat and drink together, release your healing touch. Sickness, infirmity, and disease. We command you to go. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Come on, if you need healing, just, just believe right now. Lord, release your healing touch. Be healed. Anxiety, go. Diseases go. Inflammation go. Heart disease. Any kind of lung disorder commands you to go now in Jesus' name. God is by your stripes. We're healed. Addiction. Those struggling with addiction. Life-controlling habits. We command them to be broken in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins to you, you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, bring your cleansing even now. In the name of Jesus. Lord, and we proclaim your death until you come, meaning you are a soon returning king. You're coming back for your church, back for your bride. You've gone ahead, Lord, to prepare a place for us. For it was not so. You would have told us, but you told us. You told your disciples, I've gone to prepare a place for you. In my house, there are many, many rooms and mansions which I've prepared for you. A place where there's no more weeping, no more tears. Lord, thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. People still being served. The presence of God is here. Come on, just talk to the Lord for a few more minutes. A few more moments till everybody's served here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
Hallelujah. Don't ever let go. Don't ever quit. Don't ever throw in the towel. Of God before you, who can be against you? He's carved you in the very palm of his hand. The only thing that can take you out of that, take you out of his grace, pull you out, is you. You choose not to serve him, then you don't get all the blessings. That's how that is. So it's wonderful to have a time where we just ask for your forgiveness. God, right now we receive it and we declare your soon return. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat and drink together. Hallelujah. I will forever love you, Lord. Come on, sing, Pastor Alex. I will forever love you, Lord. Forever, forever and ever. I love you. As you have redeemed my time, and in you I'll hide. I'll forever love you. Sing it again. I will forever love you. I will forever love you, Lord. I will forever love you, Lord. You've redeemed my time. As you have redeemed my time. Forever in you, I'll hide. Forever in you, I'll hide. I will forever love you. My media people are looking at me going, you know why? He just made it up. Let's sing it again. Come on, sing it again, Pastor Alex. Come on, lift your voice. We're going to close in just a moment. I will forever love you, Lord. I'll forever love you. I will forever love you, Lord. You have redeemed my time and in you. Sing it again. Forever love you. Get it on a phone or something, please. Media people, record it. Thank you.
Put your hands together for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's close. Father, we stand in awe that you would entrust us to be alive right now. To be carriers of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And in a moment, through simple childlike faith, we can believe on you and be translated out of darkness into the kingdom of your Son in whom you love. We stand in awe that you could take our wasted lives and use them as a sweet incense unto you. We stand in awe that you trust us To bring the kingdom, the power, and the authority here into Alaska, into America. We will not waste time. We pray that we would be wise, not fools. We'd work hard. We'd love you. Be people of prayer. Be people that love our families. and Spend time with them as well. That in the end, when time is no more, we would hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in now to the joy of the Lord. With all those who've gone before us, looking over the banister of heaven into time that you've given us, we won't waste it. With your help, God, help us. In Jesus' name. Let me bless you and close. Father, thank you for what you've done today. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards us, O oh God. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. For all of you Super Bowl watchers, go enjoy it. Have a great time. Hey, if you're make, able to make it, 6 o'clock church tonight. It's going to be great. Dr. Morocco going to preach over the screens to us. The word of the Lord for 2016. You don't want to miss it if you can come. Be, if you're late, it's all good. You want to watch the end of the game. Praise God. Go Broncos. Bless you. Praise God. I will forever love you, Lord. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.